The hair is too short for that to be Father Anthony. It's too short and too thin, unfortunately. And and and, and the voice is not. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for this. It's not nasally and whiny enough. <laughs> I can't tell if you're describing his voice or his attitude by the whining. Why not both? (laughs) Oh, you know, it's funny because you can make fun of him. You can make fun of Father Anthony. But when I do, he drives to my house and beats me up. Yeah, but isn't that why you're married? So that my wife can protect me? Yes. She normally does. She seems like the type of person who wouldn't take, you know, no guff from people. Riley is a powerful, strong, independent lady who chose to let someone in on her awesome life. And that's me. I mean, people can't see us right now, but, but, but Riley is standing behind him uh, with a threatening look. So, (laughs) so everything is good and happy. Hi everyone. I'm producer Nick. I am father Harrison. So uh, quick thing is, uh, so we were supposed to record on Tuesday. That was the original plan. And, I know I'm, this doesn't help the memes because I always keep – we're not cold up in Vancouver Island. We never get snow up here. Mm-hmm. We've got a massive dump, and it's actually quite cold this week. I mean, it sounds like it's getting cold everywhere in North America this week. Uh, it's supposed to warm up tomorrow, but uh, that meant a lot of shoveling with the Knights of Columbus and stuff of our sidewalks and property and stuff like that. So I had to cancel recording on Tuesday, and then Father Anthony's kind of busy with pair stuff today, and it's almost Christmas time, so everyone's kind of got a lot of stuff. So – but I was like, hey, we got to record something because we didn't say anything about not recording for two weeks. We're not going to record next week, Christmas That's week. True. Everyone everyone deserves a break during an octave, in my opinion. Especially me. That's right. Do you get do you get all Christmas week off? Yeah, uh, it's been a tradition at my parish for a long time to give Christmas through New Year's off. And that's just a nice thing. Of course, during a staff meeting, he accidentally said, well, it's cheaper than giving you guys a raise. And then at the next staff meeting, he apologized because he felt so bad because some people on staff didn't think that was funny. I thought it was funny because I'm like, I know we're not getting a raise. I work for the Catholic Church. We just don't get those. I always close the office. Yeah, for Christmas week, because it's, you know, it's busy in the office, lots of extra stuff. Um, You know, I try to pay, I think, actually fair wages, competitive wages, because I think that's important. As, yeah. a, as a pastor, we now we we don't roll in the money like you guys do though, but uh, I essentially have one salaried employee, and that's about it. Oh but, man, uh, I think we have something like my yeah. parish has something like twenty six. It's yeah. a, it's it's pretty chunky. It's a chunky. Yeah, I've parish. got I've got I've got uh, I've got a few people on like contract, like some music and religious ed, and a bit of custodial, and that's about it. That's all we can really afford. So if you could afford actually, like five I mean, employees, like yeah, who would, who I, would be, like, what would you hire? I, I've, actually been pondering this. I've actually been pondering this because we're doing a retreat with some for, for around these questions in the new year for some people in the parish who take leadership roles and stuff to kind of discern these things. Like how do we spend our money? What, what do we, what do we have goals for these things? But not in like this pragmatic way. Cause I, I am anti-pragmatism mm-hmm. uh, to its strongest degree. I have uh, innate distaste for those things but like what's the nature of the church and how do we act out of that as a parish mm. and then that gives us like practical goals that's not pragmatic if that makes sense uh yeah, yeah. so uh anyway so these are questions we're asking because i'm like I, I think about these things myself and i think you know oh well i i mean like 
the idea of having someone to help work with evangelization stuff would be cool, but I wouldn't know how to form or lead that to be honest right now. Um, yeah. So I think this thing, I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know what to do with more staff. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's kind of like if you have, gosh, with all the things that you have to do and how busy you are, you have to find someone who you have a really good conversation with say, Oh yeah, do that. And then trust them and check in, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but, but I, I, I mean, I, I have some ideas for the parish we'll talk about here in a second. I've kind of shared a bit about them before, but, um, and I, but I think if it, if that model works, we're not going to have to worry too much about hiring employees anyways, because things will become self-sufficient in many ways outside the parish building and homes and stuff like this. That's so that, that's the dream. And then that way, but here's the thing. Cause like, I think the problem becomes often we just hire staff. Like, it's still this often the top down thing. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where here's this idea we have where it's going to, and it's not to say there's not top down stuff, but it's often mm-hmm. done in a non organic way. It's trying to build a need rather than creating the need first and then responding to it. Yep. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely. But so our Protestant brothers and sisters used to try to get thing, more things happening in the home. But since COVID, they're like, oh, no, you have to do this stuff on our campus now because, mm-hmm. because you have to worship here. And right. give us money. So they're totally making a U-turn on like the, well, oh, let's do Bible study in the home. Well, well I think, thing. well, and, and the idea is for me, homes, yeah, I have a whole, whole theology around this really around like why place matters, why mm. home matters and everything. But that the parish building is meant to be, you know, gathering them for, for your larger events and for, yeah. and to make it more liturgically oriented because it's what it exists for. And that's what it's meant to symbolically manifest itself as. So this uh, is probably some of the best banter we've ever had, because for people who don't like banter, we just started talking about a topic. We just, just started talking. We, that, we start talking. Wild. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We're just, this is like literally a, okay, we're going to make this happen somehow. We'll make it just work. I, yeah. I can't do an hour today, folks. You're not going to get a long episode, but that's fine. It, it's Christmas. You should be with your family and, you know, then gossiping with your siblings behind their back because you can't stand being home for so long. That's Absolutely. what Christmas is all about, right? That is what Christmas is all about. And after Father Harrison hangs up, I'll just keep recording and th- talk, uh, tell you all about my thoughts and musings. Um, you see, though, I have the power to also end the recording. But and I have the, the power to ends. just record more. I, I'm, I'm the producer. I wouldn't do that, though. As much as I like to threaten messing with the podcast, I don't. I just, I we just do have hiring, hiring power. That's true. <laughs> oh, that'd be such a bummer <laughs> if you guys kept doing the podcast. I'd be like, "Thanks for getting me a wife and a kid." Bye. Oh no, I'm not saying we stop the podcast. I'm just saying we just fire you. I know, I know. To see it, to, to see someone like Taylor Schroll edit the podcast every week, he would do a fine job. He's very talented. But <sighs> I'd just be sad. I, well, this is how. I mean, the, the problem is when you re, when you're editing, you're listening to the podcast, but then you don't get a chance to listen. So you, we, that's one less view and click that we get every week with our podcast because of you. So, oh. it, so, if I, so in fact, if you had not edited, it, that'd mean one more download a week. I always download it to see if it works. What Plus, do you like, to? Yeah. no, no, because I just got done listening to it. And plus, like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what's what's the point of have like we don't have advertisers? I like what's the no. point of getting a lot of listeners if we don't have advertisers? Like, we can. We, adver- we do have a lot of listeners, but it's just like we, we just don't care about, about advertising. Twenty thousand people listen to this podcast a week. This is and, insane. 
It's so totally nuts. And so if you're in southwestern Pennsylvania and you're looking to buy or sell a house, recommended highly. (laughs) Buy your home with Riley Sharafa. She's a real estate agent. She's great at it. Look, Father Harrison, in a very real way, every time my wife sells a house, that means I can keep my low paying ministry job for a little longer and I love okay. it. <laughs> and we're both there very flexible and the pastor lets yeah. me take the baby to work. It's a, it's a comfy thing. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, we don't, we're, we, we've, we've decided to keep this a, uh, as people know, we like to keep this a low income thing. We want to be able to pay to make this happen. It's a service. Yeah. And that's all we care about. Although, you know, when you get the odd little treat in the mail, like I got from Lauren, who, by the way, so like Lauren, God bless you. Like for whatever reason, I just didn't click when I mentioned your name. Like I went on pilgrimage with Lauren. I just, when I saw her last name, I just, it just, something wasn't clicking at the moment. So mm-hmm. I went to Scotland with Lauren. So God bless her uh, for mm-hmm. all that again. So, you know, those little treats are nice once in a while and stuff. Although I get it, getting stuff to this, from the States to Canada is hard and expensive, but wow. uh, those are, you know, but like we don't, we're not in this, we're not in this for, we're not in this for the money, as you know. Yeah, but I would be in it if someone just decided to send me whole prosciutto hams. <laughs> like if someone sent me, because I have the meat slicer. I have one of those. My grandfather gave me one. He passed it yeah. on to me. The problem is they, like, to, they, they would have to mail it to Father Anthony because his is the only address they could find publicly. I guess, yeah, but you could just email the podcast at clericallyspeaking uh, at, at gmail.com and say, hey, Nick, where do you live? I have a whole prosciutto ham. What if they emailed you and they said that, and then they sent you a bag of cow manure? Um, I'd probably throw it into my garden. (laughs) (laughs) It'd still be useful. It'd still be useful. Uh, You know what else might be useful? If we all get, if the lay people gather together for some good old fashioned pastoral council. Ugh. And now it's time for Pastoral Council, where the laity are empowered to say words. Oh, yippee! Good for you, lay people! You have opinions! I mean, this is essentially presbyteral exhortations. I mean, this is, this is proper pastoral council where the priest talks and the lay people listen. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to go, right? That's true. And then I'm like, actually, do you you have a pastoral council, right? Of course, yeah, yeah. We're required to have one in the diocese, right? So, like, if you if you have a pastoral council, it's mostly like, is that like a consulting thing? Are they supposed to do stuff? I don't think so. I mean, they can do stuff, but I don't think that's their primary role. I actually, I think canonically, finance committee has more decision making powers than a pastoral council does mm. uh, pastoral council is there to guide direct give advice but not make decisions and okay. and and finance makes the, you know but it's it's good to have like people to listen to and stuff like that I, and i'll be honest like and i mean i think some of them listen to the podcast and i love my pastoral council we're very small right now because we have to get some new members and stuff on it hmm. but i i also strive to be a priest who actually like, just tries to do his best to listen any way he can or at least you know keep his ear to the ground at the very least he might not be able to listen sit down with every single person but you just try to keep your ear to the ground yeah um, smell like your sheep or cattle or the cow manure that people yeah, might exactly send yeah yeah nick you gotta smell like the deer that keep on eating your plants oh my gosh last night i was pulling into my driveway and they were <laughs> eating the plants so i 
just revved the like car and my wife probably thought I was driving through the front yard and the deer ran away, but they're already <laughs> nibbling it. And my deer spray repellent was outside and it's too cold, so it froze. Anyway, what are, what are, what are anyways, so yes, the password counts. No, but I, I try, yeah, I use it as an advisory body. If they can help out with stuff, that's great, but I don't necessarily make that a requirement. They're not there to necessarily, and I, I try to reach consensus on things anyways, because if, if that's the case, then that's a good thing. Um, mm. But when it comes to like decision-making, like what are we going to spend money on? That's always for finance committee. Wow. So finance. Like, committee- so, so in canon law, I mean, so local law for us, pastoral council is required. But however, in canon law, a pastoral council is recommended, not required. But a finance committee is required. Okay. So a finance committee should be a, a group of people who both have some expertise in money things like fundraising yeah. and balancing budgets and blah, 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 finance, blah, 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 blah. And they should be like really prayerful and like into evangelization too. Yeah, this is why we're doing that retreat because actually my new finance chair is like we should and i I think he was thinking more like in the business sense of like a a vision retreat thing i said okay well i get the idea so like here like let me twist it up a bit and but it was like it was good i'm like this is actually a good idea and now what we're doing is i've yes i sent an email to like 25 people in the parish saying i'd like you to come to this you're on pastoral council finance committee part of a group lead or just someone who i think would have some really good input to this and it's gonna be like three-part day where we're gonna i'm gonna do a talk on like what a parish is like how does a church understand like herself and what a parish Mm -hmm. is and then like without any context of like our local our localness just based on what you heard like what do you think are the primary duties of a parish like just to help bring this out but i want these small groups we're gonna arrange them in such a way that uh this will be coming out in our new year's bulletin anyways just help people inform people what we're trying to do that i don't want compromise i want consensus Ooh. Does this make sense? Yeah, that yeah. means there might be conflict. That's right. Which is good. Or disagreement. That's yeah. good. Exactly. Uh, compromise is often cheap consensus. It's a cheap yeah, way of trying to gain there's consensus. No, there's no buy-in if you don't reach consensus. Exactly. So, but that's yeah. how that is. So, like, listen, I think this is actually kind of good synodality, right? It's, it's, it is yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit there, I think, and, and stuff like this. And that we wrestle to, to work to this together and that each group then will come up with one or two answers to bring to the whole. Then the next one will be, what is our context? So what is, let's look at the demographics, stats, what we're doing in the parish. Also, what's the, let's look at some of the stats of the city, of the city itself and then understand that. And then based on that, um, I'm trying to remember everything I wrote down now. Uh, based on that, you then have another breakout session. Mm-hmm. Of, okay, based on just those needs and based on what you heard first, like just how would you respond to that in general? And then the third part would be then, okay, well, these are, we're going to try and put some numbers together. These are what things cost. So these are some other, these are some more particular projects we have on the, like some rental projects we think we need to do. Some ideas, maybe hiring more staff, but if we did, what would they do? How would we do this? And this is what they would cost. So based on this is what your budget would be. So wait, do we want to fundraise? Do we want to increase our giving that much to get to this? Well, then how are we going to do this? Like, so the idea is to kind of make it visual and then it's not going to make up like final decision, but then we bring this to finance and pastoral council to come to like some more concrete things. And then we can present this to the parish saying without it being like a, like I'm not a big fan of mission statements. I'm not a big fan of like having to put like a, a five-year plan together. I'm not, I don't think those things are good. I think you need right. to leave for the Holy spirit to do his work. Right. But I think you can say this, this, this based on all this, this is the concrete stuff we're going to do. And, mm. and we want you to be a part of that. And this is how you can get involved. This is how you can help. This is what we need to do this. 
Uh, but and for me, the big one is like, and the idea is, and then like all these, how do you? And I think you'll appreciate this. Is, sure. Is with the different groups often in parishes, they're they're. I was not planning on talking about this at all, but here we go. Uh, they are disjointed. Yes. You have your Knights of Columbus, they do their thing. You have your youth group, they do. You have your young adults. You have your your women's league stuff. You have your homebound ministry, your liturgical ministry servers. But the problem is they're all it's, it's like different parts, but they're not even seemingly sometimes to be part of the machine because that you ha- you have to see though a parish kind of like a machine is an image is or an engine maybe is a better way. Every part depends on the other parts moving, and mm-hmm. so they are only fully themselves when they're integrated with everything else. So, for example, like you have a youth ministry, right? We don't have youth ministry here because we don't have a lot of teens right now, and right. you have it all more where my where, and I'll talk about that in a second, but um. So you have a youth ministry. It's like, okay, you want to do this? We want to do the youth ministry. Great. How is this going to integrate into them when they transition out to young adults? How are you going to orient your programming around this? How are you going to orient your programming about what we understand parish to be? Yeah. Instead of just doing it, right? Mm-hmm. How are you going to how, – how, how can this possibly involve older parishioners and stuff like this so that we don't segregate generations, which is such a common thing to do? And then you start yeah. building up a union. Cross-generational ministry. It's it's totally what we do in youth ministry. Like when you start off year one, you just don't want to throw really fun events and get everyone hooked. Wow, it's so much fun here. Okay, then you you raise a bunch of money and send them to those experiential, like, wow, Jesus is real experiences, whether it be a camp Mm -hmm. or a Steubenville conference or something like that. Okay, then the mentorship starts. So you find really, really holy adults, um, young adults. You, You need a variety to make this core team of uh, volunteers as a family to mentor these teens while we still continue fun activities, but uh, all the other pillars of formation, right? So you do all those things really, really well. And then you take them on mission trips while your seniors are leading more things. And then your seniors become college people. And then they're, the college kids are going to start giving the talks. Because you know what? You've mm-hmm. heard enough talks by now. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Now we're transitioning into young adulthood. And then hopefully you don't join a a young adult ministry per se, you just are in a ministry, right? Like you just find what you like doing. That's mm-hmm. the hope. <clears throat> but we're like, yeah. we're yeah. three years into that and it's mm-hmm. slowly starting to happen. Like you yeah. need, you need, it takes so stupid long to build a culture. Oh, it does. And this is, and that's the thing. And people, and this is the thing we want, often want, we want X, Y, and Z. Like, so like, and you know this, I'm sure too. Uh, oh, we want the youth to be involved with this group. Okay. Oh, why? Yeah. Ser- well, why? Well, we want we want a future for our group. Well, why? We want our group to survive. Well, okay, great. That doesn't, and they may not say it exactly that way, but that's often what they mean. That is and, what they mean. That's great. But that's not going to sell a young person, and you're not showing how you can integrate them mm-hmm. in your life. Because, like, for me, it's about if we can help the parish orient around this more. You you can have like this is the thing. I don't mind having a, a young adult group and stuff like that. That's fine. Yeah. But that it doesn't get closed off into itself. This is the mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big thing, and then it helps. Because if you're saying, well, I know I just want to do a youth group. I don't care about that other stuff. They'll say, well, then you're not doing one. Or I want to do this uh, homebound ministry stuff, but I don't want to involve young people. Well, no, then you're not doing it. Because you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not trying to live out communion. I will say this though, uh, until the teens are hooked and and by hooked, that's just silly language to say until they fall in love with the Lord, I will not bring them into any other ministry. Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah. No, I'm, just, I, I'm not saying that, right? Like I'm yeah. just saying but that the, 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 
whatever ministry, particular ministry we're doing within the parish does, it has oh. openness towards it eventually. Right? Sure. Yeah, because there there are teens now yeah. who have like their hearts are so in love with Jesus. They're smart. Uh, they're holy. And they ask about other ministries. And, and they're like, I want to do the, we have a, like a senior senior connection ministry uh, where we go out to uh, seniors' homes and we work on them. And for a while, it was like, mm, no teenagers allowed. We want to do serious work. I'm like, I get that. But what if they had a mentor? You know, what if they had someone with them? And they started allowing that, you know, and, and even yeah. more and more flexible now. But it's like, good, good. Let the teens naturally, if they want to do that, because exactly. it's like a mini mission trip on a Saturday. Exactly. Let yep. them do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is the thing. If it, because we, it's, and this is definitely kind of getting rooted in some deeper theology for me is the parts of uh, of the whole. Okay, so like you're diff- if you put it more concretely, the the particular ministries of a parish are only fully themselves when they're in the communion of the whole. Mm. Like, and so they have mm. to be integrated, and at least oh, there's an openness towards these things, so that. It allows them actually to be most individual, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, when is the members of the church as members of Christ's body most themselves when they're most in union with the whole, which is Christ himself. Uh, so it's the same thing with, I think that's a principle we should then apply to the church and to particular parishes, et cetera. Heck you let yeah. the thing, yeah, you let these little, you, you let the communion of the whole become the principle that you act out of and towards and you let that imbue its it, itself organizationally and everything, things start popping up. And then it's like, well, then people start having good experiences more. They start giving more. And then it's like, well, we want to do this now. But it's also not just, it's not self-centered a lot. But this stuff takes time. Like, because people are like, we want to see more young people. I'm like, well, great. But that's going to take three, five, 10 years to actually get there. Absolutely. Because you got to get their parents first. Because their parents aren't coming, they're not coming generally. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about teens, for example, like so, we have to start there first. And or like in our parish, for example, we have a lot of kids, got a lot of young adults. We don't have a lot in between at all. Wow. So for me, it means more like we have a few teens, but not many. Um, so for me, it's more of a let's focus on those families and those kids. And then as they grow older, we have a base now to build mm-hmm. youth ministry out of eventually that they can yeah. then eventually come into with the young adult ministry and everything. And then, but that they're not just separated off either, that they'll get involved with the Knights of Columbus. They'll get involved with the Catholic women's league and stuff. Why? Because they'll see that all these, everyone will see each other's life. And it's, I think this is the big thing for me is, is my hope and prayer in all of this is, and I, we talk about these generational differences and I think we allow them to take over too much. Mm. Every, this is where, again, mutual listings is so important. It's important for, the young to listen to the old for a variety of reasons. They have more life experience, etc. It's also, I think at this stage of the history of the church right now, it's important to hear what things were like before the council, for example, so that we don't mm-hmm. romanticize and realize things actually maybe weren't always great in the past. Right. Right. So there's that. And there's that. And I think there's a certain level of respect that should say that the young person start with that first. They don't have as mm-hmm. much, they haven't earned as much street cred yet, if you will. And right. a lot of these people, even if they may not always agree with things about liturgy and everything in the church, they stick around and that's worth something. I always think. Yeah. They really do. Uh, and it's not to say this is not trying to generalize, but I'm just saying that these are, these are general experiences, right? Um, but then the, and in that listening, then they'll listen to the younger ones and say, well, why do you care about like beauty and liturgy and stuff like this? Mm-hmm. But then there's a mutual, and then they say, well, I don't have those painful memories. So that's, that's helpful. I want you to know, like, I don't want that church either. 
where yeah. everyone got hurt and stuff like that. You know, you ask my then, average teen, if yeah. you ask my average teen, like the 33 button cassock, they're like, Whoa, that looks so cool. Why doesn't everyone wear that cool cassock? Right. And you got the old people who are like, Wow, they think they're better than me. I'm like, What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't be any more. Sorry, we, yeah. because they've been siloed off. Mm -hmm. So stop, we have to stop the siloing. Yeah, it's not very Catholic. It's not. So these are ideas and stuff that keep on swimming through my head in my parish and see how how it works. Again, I'm not practically minded, so I hope it comes together. Sure. But, I mean, if the uh, principles are good, though, and someone can carry it out in a practical well, way, that, that, could, that could work. See, now, I, I need to tell you this, though. I'm doing it a little bit opposite. <clears throat> um, not in all aspects, but in, in one example that I think you might find intriguing. So... I just try to throw the coolest, most fun events and spend money on them because we have a lot of idle teens, you know? Uh, but if I do like a, a color run and get everyone a free t-shirt and have really fun food and, um, you know, advertise if this many people come, I'll shave off half my head or something, mm -hmm. you know, we'll get about a hundred 15 kids is what we got for our, our kickoff event. Right. Okay, cool. They're they're They think it's fun to come. So then they, they start coming, they keep coming. It becomes the place to be great. <clears throat> uh, and then they, I take them on a retreat. Like I basically pay them to go on a retreat. I raise right. money so that they can only go for like $25 when it costs 150. Yeah, yeah. My favorite part is on these retreats, there's always an adoration experience, and it's my job as the youth minister to help them through that afterwards, right? It's not just the one boom and then your life's changed. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, let's unpack that and talk about consolation, which you felt, which is good, which isn't all the time, whatever. I do my mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. But after the retreat experiences, I have all the parents sit in a room, and the kids sit in front of them, the teens sit in front of them, and one at a time, the teens say their favorite part of retreat, and I'll ask mm -hmm. them questions in front of the parents. And almost every teen says Eucharistic adoration, mass, mm -hmm. or confession. Mm -hmm. And the parents are like, what's adoration? Mm -hmm. And it, yep. it's so backwards. I mean, it's yep. not bad, but like, because, you know, kid, kids shouldn't evangelate and evangelize their parents in the perfect world. They do. But, but, we, but we have that going. Because right. like, if I'm in yep. charge of this thing and I can really, really run with it, and then, then the parents get involved and then they're donating and then they're doing stuff. Yeah. So it's a little tough. It's, it's, it's a little reversed. Yeah. Well, it's also different demographics and stuff, right? Like, so right. we're a very retirement heavy place, although our, our demographics in this parish seem to be slowly changing um, to a younger demographic, but we have a, like, I have a university. And that's so cool. that's been like my main, and that's been actually, I think that's been really the cool thing. And it's not been an easy year in this parish for a variety of reasons. And some things, uh, our parish culture. Some of it is just events happening are not under anyone's control. Like when a house blows up next to your church, right? Like that happened <laughs> this past year, you know? Yes. And that was just one of like 10 things of equal weight to that in a yeah. year. That, that, that is a lot. Hence more gray in the beard. Um, but, uh, but what's been really beautiful to see emerge from this has been the young adult ministry. Cause that's part of my assignment. I'm supposed to be at, we finally got access to university here. I started off, we started off small and, and, and uh, I got to give them a shout out because uh, like to show how much fruit is like, they were really generous. Apparently one of them listened to the podcast and I didn't mean it when I was saying, Oh, you should buy your pastor's gifts. Like it's just important to show some sort of gratitude that you care or even just like a nice note or whatever. Right. Yeah. I guess they took it seriously for me. And I'm like, I wasn't dropping hints for myself, but, <laughs> but 
they got together and bought me like a $225 gift certificate to Amazon. Oh, you're going to buy some books. I, I've already bought the books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so, but that was like, I was like really touched by that. You know, I was very tired that day because I woke up at 3 30, but I was very touched by their generosity and, yeah. and that they cared. Right. And so, I shout out to all those be, who listen. I can't wait for someone to be touched. No, I cannot wait to be touched by the generosity of our listeners when they send me full prosciutto hams straight out of Parma, Italy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want i mean oh no you don't have to it would just be nice to give youth ministers uh-huh. don't give us cookies we don't need cookies don't give us chocolates we want prosciutto or wings i like wings buffalo wings <laughs> anyways um now that you've done your meat evangelization uh, for your <laughs> inbox uh so, but well, I'll I'll do this brief because I but I was just kind of reflecting because like so our our young adult ministry is kind of blowing up right now. I think we've got forty people on our contact list. We started off with twelve at the beginning of the year. That's big. In, in a year, yeah. that's in, big. In, in, in four months. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, and it's been really beautiful to see how people are coming together and everything. And it's a very simple format I do. So I host it at the rectory. Okay. Um, twice a month right now because that's all I can do Thursday yeah. nights. And potluck dinner, nice. Start off easy, and uh, so that's been. Well, I start. I start dinner first, but I, I can't. I don't no. have the time to make dinner <laughs> no. all the time. I'll do. Yeah. I'll do something nice one night soon, but I just I can't do it all the time. Uh, and then we. So you know, that's about an hour, hour and a bit. Then we uh, pray evening prayer together because everyone's got a phone, so that's easy to do with iBrievery. Yeah. Then so I've been doing this method. I think I may have talked about it on the podcast before because, but I'm doing this. I have a method to my madness because this is meant to. I want this to spread out my parish. This is where I'm going with my parish. Yeah. Um, and they know this and everything is I'm trying to take a scripture, like a passage from scripture and use it as like a, a place of encounter with Christ through the discussion of our life in relationship to the text. Fantastic. So the idea is to bring truth and experience together. So this is, this is based in a method by uh, uh, um, an Italian priest by the name of Luigi Giassani, and it's based in his book, The Religious Sense, which is a mm. fantastic book, a little dense, fantastic book. And the idea is meant to clarify the ideologies we often act out of in our life. Oh, uh, wow. So yeah, that we can actually make clear what we actually are trying to work towards. So like this past Thursday, we had 23 people at the rectory uh, for young adult night. It was here, and they didn't leave till 10 o'clock. Like, uh, it, good. you know, because... And yeah, and just I, I'm seeing fruits of new people coming in who maybe aren't going to church, and suddenly they're at mass, they're at weekday mass all of a sudden, and stuff. It's yeah. like, what's going on here? That'll happen, but, dude. It's awesome. This, this is the thing, right? This is the thing. I've known this forever because, and I've had similar experiences with my young adult group at the cathedral, um, which is there's something in that encounter of that community that brings life. Because we were talking on Thursday night, for example, about the, the felt competition between faith and life. Yeah. We, we've been reflecting on the, the conversion of Philip. That's all we've done for this year. We haven't yeah. even gone past that passage in John because it's just been bringing up and up. Like, why would Philip leave everything like that? That doesn't make any sense. That's not reasonable, mm-hmm. is it? But right. why would that be reasonable? And it, okay, if that's reasonable for him, to, if Jesus is who he says he is, then that means there's, that's a question that is worth, that's worth answering and pondering. And then if, if Christ is who he says he is, isn't that worth orienting our whole life around him for that? Mm-hmm. And that that's the question we need to be basing all of our other questions and decisions out of. So you have to, it starts 
chipping away at those secondary questions that come that often try to make themselves the first order questions. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Hey, every, anytime I talk to a teen slash adult slash anyone in ministry, whenever uh, they've got a problem or an issue, I'm like, mm, those are the words you're saying. And I trust that that's what you think the problem is. Yep. But any good ministry person, anytime a, a spiritual director or a good, good friend has done good work with me, or I've done good work with another teen, uh, particularly because I'm a youth minister or a friend, is like asking them a bunch of questions until it comes down to the big gospel questions. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And mm. and this is Giussani's thing. So Communion Liberation, which is the movement that kind of he founded, they often will reflect on his text. So I'm essentially doing the Communion Liberation model and method, but with scripture instead of Giussani text, because Giussani text would be too complicated for some people. <laughs> Sure, but like, but like, so we were talking about how one of the areas that uh, the competition comes out in, and they said, "Well, yeah, like I'm trying to pray, for example." Mm. Like, yeah, totally. Like, well, why don't you pray in the morning? Well, you know, I'm tired, or I know I want to pray, but then you know I have to be at school at eight thirty, or I have to be at work at eight thirty, or this and this, and there's all the and I get that, totally get that, and then, yeah. and there's and there's actually said that felt conflict is a sign. But I said, well, I was trying to help them understand the conflict is not from God, actually. It's from the world that set us up, itself up in such a way that it make that it actually tries to reduce our ability to seek God, not consciously, but just uh, the way it's just set up. Yeah. But I said, and I brought them a question. This is a question I keep on bringing back and over. I'm like, why are you here tonight? Why are you at my rectory eating dinner and talking about Jesus? When What's you could the be normal home, answer? What's the normal answer? You could be at home. Yeah. browsing your phone and i mean essentially the what we we're able to see is like will they experience something life-giving in this community mm-hmm. i said yeah that's good that means you're experiencing something more than just the gathering of people just that there's something more here i said yeah oh man and having them say that out loud to one another you, you yeah. know when you when you teach something it reaffirms what you've learned yeah well this is the idea it's a method of education yeah, it, it, like, and that's not manipulation. That's just how people no, work. It's not. I yeah. mean, I, oh, no, just because, like, one of the people that night, I mean, I told her, I was like, I hope you didn't feel like I was grilling you. It's just, I, I knew what you're trying to say. I knew you were struggling to say it. So I kept on drilling the questions at you in front of the group because I wanted you, I knew what you wanted to, to get to. Mm-hmm. And, and she got there and it was that's great. That's cool. Right? That's cool. Um, but, you know, because, like, that's my intuitive sense. And I, I'm trying not to pre explain it to them, you know? Uh, I mean, we're getting so big now, we might have to change our method a bit because it's too hard to hold a conversation. It's too hard to hold a conversation with 25 people at once. It's a good problem to have, you know? It would be. So we have to rethink. But anyways, um, but I said, and yeah, so it's the gift of the community. I'm like, why is that, why is that here? Why is that? What? Well, they said, well, you started it. I'm like, okay, fine. Let's, okay, let's go with that. Fine. I'll, I'll run with it. Well, why am I here? Why am I doing this? You're bored. I said, well... You're a priest. I'm like, yeah, I'm a priest. Did I just choose to become one? They said it'd be no. a pretty big like, choice. <laughs> just a me. I think I'll be a priest. Me. It's, it's experience of the gift of Christ. And I said, this is the thing. We experience Christ here. Even they mentioned one time about how they went to sing karaoke. And I said, well, what was different about karaoke with that group? They said, yeah, there was something different about it with us together. I'm like, yeah, Christ is the bond of the communion. This is the thing we're experiencing. And it's to help, it help them understand the reality. So this is the idea of the sacramental idea of it all. Christ mm-hmm. is here. He actually is here. He is encountered. I bring this together because like this whole group, this whole idea came was the fruit of prayer. So I said, if this is life-giving, so this is that I brought it full circle. 
this is life giving for you. I can tell you myself that it became this because of prayer. And so if you can see something like giving like this come slowly from prayer for me, isn't it worth giving it a shot to pray yourself? You're demonstrating that, uh, that God is real. You know yeah. what I mean? Like well, thing. Yeah, if yeah. I put it in the most simple words I can, Absolutely. but you're demonstrating it and like, exactly. And demonstrate that's... and verify, like, like to use the GSI, like they're verifying it in their experience. Truth ideas are not, are not, and this is a big thing for you. This is why I get obsessive about ideas. It's not because I, it's, it's experiential for me all it's the exciting. time. It's exciting. It has to go together. You can't, mm -hmm. they can't be separated. And so you use ideas to enlighten the experience and not in this like modern, oh, experience is whatever you want it to be. No, no, mm -hmm. there's something objective there mm -hmm. and true. Yeah. Well, it, it's like when, gosh, I, so what I did at one of my middle school sessions, I had them do imaginative prayer. Yeah. Um, some, some middle school version of St. Ignatius' uh, imaginative prayer in scripture. And then I had them like go to their small group leaders, myself being one of them, and say what happened to them in prayer one-on-one. -on -one. And teens would come up to me and be like, I don't know if I was just thinking this, but this is what I think Jesus said to me. And they'll say something so profound and like beautiful and straight out of scripture that and they, just, they don't even know it. Uh, and I'm like, oh, now's my chance to prove to you that that wasn't you just kind of thinking. Yeah. Like, how do you feel? How did you feel when that happened? Like, yeah. Really, like, really peaceful. Like, that's never yeah. happened before. I'm like, exactly. Shaking them. Be like, this is, this is the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing. And, and so why does modernity, why do we feel this competition between life and faith? Not because why? of faith, but because of life. And it, cause it, it isolates, it's, it's silos. As I was talking about, it suffocates us. It blinds us to, to being aware constantly of the presence of Christ that is always in front of us. And so the idea is by these experiences, it, help, it starts to help you see life differently to see Christ differently. Mm -hmm. So you can actually see your life, your life in such a different light. You see Christ in front of you and then you start making your choices on that. Then it's questions like vocations start coming up and, yeah. and, um, and how to serve more. What has been beautiful to see my young adults, they've already taken over one of the Sunday coffees for mass as a group. And, some of them help out with altar serving or other literature. Some of them are helping out in the shelter, the winter emergency winter shelter in our parish. Yeah. Um, or they're just trying to socialize and stuff. And, and so then, and this has been the cool part is where there's been sometimes even resistance in the parish around maybe hypertension to this mm -hmm. on my part. Cause it's, I'm only one man is it's all, it's all gone. At least, at least from what I've heard hmm. people I've heard from people. I've never seen so many young people in this parish. <laughs> And it gives them hope that there's a future here now. And I've and, yeah. and then I've challenged the young people to say, hey, why don't you go, when you're at coffee after mass? Because they all come down for coffee on mass. Coffee's not great. They all come down. Uh, um, they are, I said, go sit around different tables. Like get to know other people in the parish. Sure. So anyways, just uh, these are really cool. Like just these natural, but it's organic. For me, my, my job as a priest, and this is, I think, programs aren't necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. But anything that's going to have a program has to be, has to be at the at if it's going to happen has to be an answer to something organic that's already you're giving your life and time to something to you're you're planting a seed to let it grow into something then it needs trimming it needs care it needs to be gardened etc but you have to plant a seed first and that needs to actually grow before you can actually manage it and I we think try to manage it before it even grows that's the problem oh gosh and it's funny because like. 
all of my programming that I've done has been a result of prayer, mm-hmm. but we're in year three or four. And I'm like, let's just do the same thing. And I'm like, Hmm, having this conversation reflecting right now, I'm like, I might need to take this all back to prayer. Cause it might be, yeah, let's do the same thing. And it might be, nope, time to keep mm-hmm. moving yep. onto the next crazy thing. Yep. <sighs> yeah. And, and that's my thing. Like this came out of prayer during my retreat, my priest retreat in May in like one of the mm. hardest times of this year in this parish where I was like, I'm ready to say to the bishop, get me out of here. And this has been the beautiful thing in it where I've had those feelings some days and, and parishioners know this. And I know it's not about against any one person. It's just no. a bunch of stuff and it's a tough year. And I know it's very any, people just like go through this sometimes too. get me yes. out of here. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I said to the young adults when, after they gave me a gift, I said, I want you guys to know that, it's through you guys that you've confirmed for me that this is exactly where I need to be and that I can't move anytime soon. So the Lord gave them a nice little present and gave you a nice little present all because you took time to pray when you could have been working, but you decided to pray anyway. I'm big on that. Ah, I love it. I mean, like a concrete example of you need to pray more. Yes. Oh, no, I'm too busy. Like that's this podcast episode. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like I was going to go a bit of a different direction, but you know, it's a, it's a different day. It's just, True. Uh, it's, it's, it's December 22nd. I still have to call my dad cause it's his birthday. So happy birthday, dad. Oh, I still have to listen to my blues brothers vinyl or Phil Spector's Christmas vinyl. I'm showing father Harrison or Bruce Springsteen's the wild, the innocent and the East street shuffle. I bought some new vinyl today. I'm, I'm sorry, Riley. She's not here right now, so I get to listen to it. Nice. <laughs> cool. So that's about, I don't know. That's all I got right now, I guess. I was going to go with some other stuff, but that's fine. It was a good conversation, I think. I enjoyed I it. Yeah. Pastoral Council Young Adult stuff. Hey. Uh, and parish I'll stuff do, in do, general. I, I can do Father Anthony. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at clericallyspeaking.com. Do you have a theological emir- emergence, emiracosurgency? Call 412-912-7995. I should know. I came up with the number. Um, uh, where, we, where can they find you, Nick? Oh, they can find me at Papa Sharapa on Twitter. If you can spell it, there's no way. You can find me on Twitter at FR Harrison. Uh, contact the podcast anytime you want to. Um, send prosciutto hams. Um no, email me if you if you have a lead on cheap. I want Parma prosciutto hams. Unless you make your own domestic prosciutto ham, in which case I'd be willing to try it because you know if you made it in your basement, that'd be kind of fun too. So um, depending on the salt content, I don't like prosciutto cotto. I like prosciutto crudo. So like the, definitely the well, Anthony's stuff. gonna be like, we're never bringing Nick back again unless <laughs> unless unless he gets the benefit of the prosciutto that may eventually. What happens if you get like ten hams? Oh, I would host a party and I would give all of it away. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, I would invite all my Catholic young adult friends, okay. and we would have a charcuterie party, and I would just be there with a saber, and I'd be thinly slicing the ham. Because I, if, if people are generous, I have to be generous well, with I'm it. I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I get too weirded out. I yeah. like to indulge, but not that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm similar. <gasps> Peace. God bless.